Good morning. Did you just see what I just did? Let me show you again. Pay attention. I couldn't do that last time I was with you. December, I had my left knee operated on. January, my right knee operated on. I've had a cortisone shot, and in a week, I'm going to have a foam gel injection, and I'm going to be as good as new. Thank you for your prayers. And all of that has led to our series this month, believe it or not. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.16. He said, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, (coughs) yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I don't suggest or want to suggest in any way that my minor little knee surgeries compared to what Greg's going to experience tomorrow, what he has experienced, what other people here have experienced with respect to health issues. It's a small little blip on a 55-year-old's radar screen. However, it is evidence in all the procedures and all the rehab, literally 52 appointments later since October, it's a reminder about the reality Paul talks about, the biological, physiological reality that the outward body is wasting away a little bit at a time. And just like the new car, every time we turn the key to start a new day, that body just, you know, isn't quite what it was the day before. However, Paul says, in light of that reality, we don't lose heart because we are renewed inwardly day by day. And that, that's our series title for this month, Renewed Day by Day. Second Corinthians 4.16 is our theme verse. And we're going to think about, well, how are we renewed day by day? How could the Apostle Paul, who experienced some horrific things in life, who was beaten multiple times, seemed to be continually brought before the tribunals, had to give an account for what he was teaching and preaching, how could somebody like that get up every day and feel renewal, right? How is that possible? Well, in this chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there are a number of things that we're going to pay attention to that will hopefully in part, answer this question. So if you have a Bible with you, please turn to 2 Corinthians 4. And while you're doing that, let me just uh, say what a privilege it is to be back this month with you here at Oak Ridge. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for everyone who's participated in the service today and for the great time of worship and music we've enjoyed today. I will read from the New International Version this month, and here we find these words written by the Apostle Paul. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. 
We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of, overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, un- what, what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The Lord will bless to us the word this morning. Let's just quickly pray and ask for his help this morning. Father, we do thank you for bringing us together on this beautiful morning. We pray that as we open your word, you will teach us, instruct us, guide us, give us what it is we need this day. And as you do, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the glory. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Michelangelo, the great artist and sculptor, said this, the more the marble wastes, the more the statue grows. The more the marble wastes, the more the statue grows. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, Paul writes, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. True enough, in one sense, we are physically wasting away. In order to combat that sort of daily demise, there are some things that we can take control of. There are a lot of things we can't, but there are some things we can. This is not a month in health lessons. Uh, but obviously, we pay attention to what we eat, we exercise, we get enough rest, all those important things. But the reality is, the biological fact is, that uh, outwardly we do, bit by bit, slowly over time, sort of waste away. And although our overall health, youthfulness, vitality, and productivity has a lot to do with what's going on with our physical hearts, on a greater level, what is going on with our spiritual heart? That is so much more important, isn't it? The Apostle Paul said that although we all deal with physical decline, it is possible to be renewed day by day. How is that possible? That's our guiding question this month. How is it possible to be renewed day by day? Well, in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul identifies a number of keys to daily renewal. And specifically over this four-week series, we'll consider the incredible value of being engaged in meaningful ministry. Notice the word ministry in verse 1 of chapter 4. Secondly, uh, we can experience daily renewal through living a life of sacrificial servanthood. Chapter 4, verse 5, sacrificial servanthood. Thirdly, we can experience daily renewal as as we're always seeking and pursuing necessary knowledge. Notice that necessary knowledge referred to in chapter 4, verse 6. And finally, we can experience daily renewal as we look to the future with what I'm calling expectant eyes, chapter 4, verse 18. And so as we begin this journey this month, I hope that you will experience daily renewal. I hope you already have sense renewal through being here this morning. And as we consider each of these parts of this text that Paul wrote, that you'll be encouraged in the days and the weeks and the months Ahead. Let's begin by thinking about the value of meaningful ministry. 
as it relates to daily renewal. In 2 Corinthians 4, chapter or verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. One very important ingredient to daily renewal in a general sense is work. Work. Specifically, being engaged with daily responsibilities is essential to being renewed. In order to remain positive and productive, we need to wake up each day with a purpose and a plan as to how we can make a difference. A question I get asked an awful lot is, when can you retire? Well, I can retire in less than two months. (laughs) Over 3,000 secondary school employees in the Peel District School Board, guess what? I cracked the top 50. I'm number 48. Hard to believe, huh? 30 years later. And as interesting as that is, it's not even on my radar screen, to be honest with you. I get up every day and love going to do what I do. And even though I may not be the most active phys ed teacher anymore, (laughs) there still is that sense of making a difference in the lives of these kids I interact with every day. And everybody's plan, everybody's life is different, and I understand that. But at this point in mind, even though I can, I'm not planning on it. Because I still enjoy it every day. I'm still, believe it or not, I'm still renewed by what goes on in that building each and every day. But for everybody, that's different. But I believe regardless of whether it's to retire or not to retire, whatever it is our decisions are in life are, we need to understand the value of work. We need to understand the value of of being engaged in meaningful ministry and and being involved in work in a general sense. And and I know that I've worked with some people, believe it or not, who just couldn't wait to retire. A couple of those people have gotten back into the business, you know, because they miss the interaction. They miss the team concept with staff. They, they, They miss getting up feeling like they can make a difference in the lives of those young people that day. And so we need to understand the value of work. In Psalm chapter 126, verses 5 and 6, we read this. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. They're just, you know, some days are tough. Some days it is difficult to get out of bed and go and face what the day might bring, but I love Lou's start to our service today, right? What, what positive thing's going to happen today? And getting up with a purpose, getting up with, with something to, to make a difference in our world with whatever that difference might be, with whatever tools that might uh, be that we've been given to use, are we using them to make a difference in our world? Work has great value. Work, engagement, productivity can produce joy in our hearts. And although at times difficult, can cause daily renewal. I came across this verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18. And in part it says this, Because of idle hands, the house leaks. (laughs) Because of idle hands, the house leaks. This is a bit of a comment on me, maybe, because Sue called me hmm, two nights ago. Hey, there's a leak going on down here. You know, because of idle hands or hands that are too busy playing all the time, sometimes the roof leaks, right? 
from a figurative point of view, when we, we don't work, when we sit around with idle hands, that the house leaks, or in other words, when we're not engaged, our hearts leak energy, enthusiasm, and drive. To be renewed day by day, we need to be engaged. We need to be contributing something to those around us. For sure, our physical bodies age and slow down. We, we can't necessarily do what we once did, but we can adjust our game and, and keep playing. We, we don't need to be on the sidelines, on the outside, looking in. And I'm so impressed by people who just find a way and have the energy and have the perspective. We talked about that last month, right? To just stay engaged and to use what they have to make a difference. Understanding that it's probably different than it was a decade ago, two decades ago. It doesn't matter, but I go to this church in Hamilton and every morning and sometimes I'm a little bit late. There's this 93-year-old woman that's waiting there every Sunday morning. She's the greeter. She holds the door for me when I come in there. And she always has a thought to share with me. Man, she encourages my heart. Currently going through cancer at the age of 93. Didn't miss a Sunday. I was there for a whole month. Didn't miss a Sunday. And there she is, you know, in sub-zero temperatures, waiting, holding the door open for me, really. (laughs) I was speaking to a guy last week at a church I was at who is a retired high school teacher. And he was telling me, I said, so you still work? Oh, yeah. He says, I, I still work. Two, three days a week, I still go into the high school. I said, what are you like, you're like 63, 64? He says, I'm almost 75. Man, good. looks young, but he looks young because he's engaged. He's busy. He loves it. Like, man, good on you. I mean, it's not the full deal like it once was, but, you know, whatever it might be, I'm just impressed by by people who just keep doing what God's given them opportunity to do. And this isn't a comment on politics, right? We're not going to get into American politics this morning, trust me. But you know what does impress me? Again, a politics aside, all right, party affiliation aside, three of the, you know, five whatever candidates we have left here on either side, do you realize that in November when the election takes place, the president could be 75, could be 70, or could be almost 70? Like, I just, that marvels me. Like, the most stressful job in the world. There are people who are saying, yeah, I'm not cashing out. I want to try and make a difference. Whether you agree with how they want to do that, (laughs) or what they say, or all the politics being played out, all that aside, that just impresses me. Because all of them could have checked out a long time ago. Nobody needs a paycheck, obviously, right? But, But it's just, I think I can make a difference. And in their 70s, they're prepared to kind of put that all in the... That, that's impressive to me, you see? As we return to 2 Corinthians 4.1, Paul identifies one of the keys to daily renewal. One of the ways we don't lose heart, he says, is through involvement and commitment to ministry. We've been talking generally about work. And, and I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, because when I look around, I see people who you know, are so busy working, right, and doing so much. And it's an encouragement to me. And as we get now a little bit more specific, we look at this word ministry that Paul uses in verse 1, and it's used in a general, it's a general word describing the work of a servant of God. Are you being renewed day by day through involvement in ministry? Like, I had no idea Tammy was going to come up and be introduced to us as somebody who's taken on this huge responsibility of VBS. That's huge. 
All right, and we do need to continue to pray for her and for everybody who's going to be involved in that. But man, that's, that's great stuff. Lou, he's going to Romania tomorrow, you know, going to hop on a plane, going to spend a week going across the world and back. That's encouraging to me. You see, people stepping up and doing what God has called them to do. And, and that's what we're talking about here. We're renewed when we take on those responsibilities. And with this thought in mind, let's just turn over to, to Romans chapter 12 for a moment. And take a look at some verses there. Romans chapter 12, for many, this is a familiar chapter. But if it's not for you, then let me just read. Well, we'll start reading at verse 1. Great stuff here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of God that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Notice verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I love verse 11. Chapter 12, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. In this chapter, after writing about service and the use of spiritual gifts, the apostle says, never be lacking in zeal. Not a word we use much anymore, but it's a great word. A great word. The word zeal means to be or to be zealous, let's use that tense, to be zealous is to be intense and enthusiastic for something or someone as displayed in action. I like that. I like that. To be zealous is to be intense and enthusiastic for something or someone as displayed in action. Paul says, don't lose heart. Or in order to experience daily renewal, we need to be people of intense, enthusiastic Action. I like that. As a winter storm rolled over Birmingham, Alabama on January 28, 2014, Dr. Zanko Herku heard that a patient at Trinity Medical Center had taken a turn for the worse. The patient needed surgery. No other surgeon was available, and the patient had a 90% chance of dying. Driving wasn't an option because of the snow and ice. Emergency personnel were far too busy. So the 62-year-old doctor, again, not a young guy, but, you know, 62-year-old doctor, decided to face these brute facts and proceed to take action. Put on a coat over his hospital scrubs and started walking. He walked six miles in the snow from Bookwood Medical Center to Trinity Medical Center. 
Along the way, he fell and rolled down a hill, but he got back up. He helped some drivers who were stuck in the snow. He finally arrived at Trinity, performed the surgery, and uh, saved the person's life. In a later press conference that praised his efforts, Dr. Zenko wondered what all the fuss was about. He said it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, any good doctor would have done the same thing. The patient was dying, and he said, that's, you know, that's not going to happen on my watch or during my shift. But a hospital official said that the doctor was being quite modest. Keith Granger, Trinity Medical Center's CEO, said it was not just a walk in the park. Given the conditions, the temperatures, and the terrain, it's a remarkable physical feat and mental feat. And we have an individual alive today who wouldn't be if it wasn't for his efforts. That, that's being zealous about your job, right? This is a doctor who, who, if we look at the definition, was intense and enthusiastic about trying to make a difference, and he did that, a displayed in his actions. In Romans 12, Paul had described a multitude of works that can be engaged in, all having equal value. And as we talk about ministry, as we talk about being renewed by getting engaged in different ministry and different work, we need to realize that whatever it is, it all has equal value. The body doesn't function, friends, very well if the knee doesn't work right. It doesn't function well if the heart has some issues. It doesn't function ideally if any of those parts don't work well or work properly. And it all has equal value, the same in our spiritual bodies, the same in our church families, in our church organizations. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody has an ability to bring to the table. And all of it has equal ability. But friends, sometimes our house... Our hearts leak, going back to that statement in Ecclesiastes, because of jealousy. In order to avoid being jealous, we need to be zealous. In order to avoid being jealous, we need to be zealous. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else. Don't worry about what they have and you don't have. Figure out what you bring to the table. Understand and appreciate the gifts, the opportunities, the experiences that are unique to you and be zealous about those things and use them to make a difference in the world around you. Sometimes we get discouraged in our work and pack it in because we don't think it measures up with what somebody else can possibly do. The antidote for being jealous is being zealous, being renewed and encouraged in the value of what we have to offer. Hearing Bob's announcement of going up to Camp Jolly Bee in May, here's another interesting illustration. In his book, Leading Across Culture, James Pludnam reflects on an experience that taught him the eternal value of service and working hard, even at what others might call menial jobs sometimes. During his high school days, Pludnam worked at a Christian camp under the direction of an outstanding leader named Hiram Johnson. They just called him High, High Johnson. One day, Pludnam writes, we worked until dark trying to finish a staff bunkhouse before the camp season started. My shirt was soaked with sweat and my hands blistered from shoveling sand around the foundation. I was beginning to feel sorry for myself when High Johnson strode around the corner of the building. 
He watched what we were doing for a while and then quietly reminded us that the staff who were moving into this house would be a big help to the camp. Then he said something I'll never forget. Your shoveling will, in the long run, be used of the Lord to bring a lot of people to Jesus Christ. We started shoveling with a renewed sense of purpose. Now we were not just a bunch of dirty, sweaty high school kids tired of shoveling mud. We were instruments of God Almighty to bring people to himself. What a lesson in leadership. Our view of the task shifted from shoveling sand to building the kingdom. How do we experience this kind of zeal for life? How are we renewed daily with this enthusiastic, purposeful commitment to each day? Well, in response to this question, Paul goes on to share two thoughts. Notice the same verse, Romans 12, 11. First of all, keep your spiritual fervor. And secondly, serve the Lord. First of all, keep your spiritual fervor. Here in this statement, we find another very descriptive word, a great word. Like the word zeal, the word fervor is a fabulous word. To be fervent means to show warm, intense feeling. Well, how do we keep warm, intense spiritual feelings? This is kind of a lengthy subject, huh? My answer is to, to that is a summary of the last few series that we've done here. We stay zealous and fervent through partnering with zealous, fervent people like Paul did. We maintain spiritual fervor through controlling our minds and what we think about. Remember that series. And thirdly, we maintain a zealous, fervent attitude through a positive perspective, which produces perseverance. Very good. It's impressive. And that positive perspective is shaped by faith, hope, patience, love, and wisdom. Secondly, Paul says, in order to experience this zeal for life, serve the Lord. I'm not teed up this morning. All right? Lou didn't call me. Mike didn't call me. Nobody called me and said, Dale, can you talk about this today? Because we're going to have an announcement about people needing a camp, about people signing up for VBS. we got things going on here. Can you talk about this? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Nothing. Just me and the good Lord and people praying. It always works, friends. It always works. And here he says, you want to live a zealous life? If that's the kind of life you want, then maintain your spiritual fervor. And secondly, serve the Lord. You want to be renewed day by day? Serve the Lord. Serving the Lord is a significant key to living a zealous life that results in daily renewal. If we're focused on serving the Lord and using the gifts, opportunities, and talents that He has given to us to make a difference in this world, even though our physical bodies weaken, our spiritual hearts will be renewed each day. Are you committed to serving the Lord? Are you motivated to make a difference in this world each day? with the resources the Lord has given you. You know, the detail this morning, it really is, I shouldn't be amazed by it, but I am. I'm sitting there this morning and I look up and I say, what's this down here? What are these things? Right? It's nice little spring flowers and all that stuff. Well, what are these? Well, they're birdhouses, right? Am I right? Those are all birdhouses? Some of them are birdhouses, am I right? Okay. Guess what I have this morning? 
I have a little illustration about birdhouses. Can you believe that? I kid you not. I'm sitting there looking at those going, those are birdhouses. Anyway, retired pastor Sam Dury, age 77, could be enjoying his golden years in an easy chair. Not our Sam, no way. However, instead of just letting the days fly by, Dury is building birdhouses to support a Moscow cemetery. (laughs) Dury spends four hours a day planting, sawing, sanding, drilling, gluing, and nailing cedar fence pickets in a workshop in his garage. He then hits the road with 35 different kinds of birdhouses. I don't know we've got down there, but Sam has 35 in his arsenal, selling them at festivals and craft shows. Over the past six years, Dury estimates he has built 3,000 birdhouses and get this, he's raised $85,000 for Russia United Theological Seminary. Dury saw the need for the Moscow Seminary during 14 mission trips to Russia and Siberia. We have to realize we're part of a global community and we have a global ministry, Dury says. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. The good Lord has plans for us. And I'm doing what I can do now at 77 to help carry them out. Isn't that encouraging? Romans 12, 9 and 11 says, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another about yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Even though the reality is that we are outwardly wasting away, we can experience daily renewal through staying engaged in meaningful ministry. We can continue to experience a real zeal for life through keeping our spiritual fervor and serving the Lord. I just need to close with one final illustration. This one happens to be from the world of sports. This comes from Rick Riley. And it's just, it's an incredible story about an incredible young man. It's sort of is an interesting summary of what we've talked about. His birth certificate says 16. His face says 80. His body says size 6. His mind says 35. His medical diagnosis says failure to thrive. But that's a lie. Few people you'll ever meet fail to thrive like Sam Burns. Ask Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots. I get to meet a lot of people in my life, Kraft says, but I've never met anyone quite like Sam. I love that kid. Sam has prejoria which ages him at eight times the normal rate. Even though he's a junior at Foxborough, Massachusetts High School, he looks like a tiny old man. And yet he plays drums in the marching band, umps baseball games, wears his Eagle Scout badge, invents things and makes straight A's, talks like an after-dinner speaker, and is trying to decide whether to go to MIT or Harvard in two years. Pray that he lives that long. When Sam was two, his parents were told that he probably wouldn't make it past 13, the usual life expectancy for the one in four million kids born with prejoria. There is no cure. But Sam's parents, Dr. Scott Burns and Dr. Leslie Gordon, didn't listen. If nobody was coming to the rescue, why couldn't they? They started a foundation and after years of work, helped identify the gene mutation that causes the disease and the first experimental treatment for it. But with Sam's time running out, they needed money, $4 million to be exact, to figure out through clinical trial if it's a cure. That's where Mr. Robert Kraft comes in. 
Kraft read about Sam in the Foxborough Reporter. This is a man who watches young men performing astonishing athletic feats with their bodies. This is a man who still grieves his wife, Myra, who died two years ago. This was written in 2013, and she died at the age of 68. In Sam, we must have seen a tragic meld, a young man dying of old age. He invited him to a Sunday practice just before the New England Patriots' September 29th game against the Atlanta Falcons, and liked him so much he decided to donate $1,000 for every year Sam had been alive. But then Sam mentioned his birthday was coming in October, and now the donation went up to 17000 Smart, Smart businessman, Kraft grinned. And that was just the start of Kraft falling in love with a young man trapped in a senior citizen's body. Kraft, who's your favorite player? I'll introduce you. Sam, oh, I could never just pick one player, Mr. Kraft. Football's a team sport. So Kraft introduced him to the entire team. <laughs> he met Tom Brady. He met Bill Belichick, everybody. They gathered around and made Sam look even tinier. Then Sam gave the whole team a speech, telling them how they could strategically beat Atlanta and quarterback Matt Ryan. Make Matty run around a little bit. Make him uncomfortable. He'll throw an interception, and we'll get it back, and we'll pounce all over it. The players and coaches stood there, scratching their heads at this little old boy who sounded suddenly like Vince Lombardi. You're looking at him, and those 300-pound guys are coming at him, and it's like he's got such a calm demeanor, Kraft says. We need to keep him alive. We need to keep him strong and healthy. And maybe they need to hire him as a coach. The Patriots rattled the Falcons 30-23 to 23 that day. The soup thickened. Sam invited Kraft to a screening of a documentary, Life According to Sam. You might remember that. It was on HBO back in October of 2013. The longer Kraft sat there watching it, the more his wallet itched. The more he learned about Sam, the more he gave. His donation went from 17000 to 100000 to 250000 to finally a $500,000 matching donation. Now that's a movie that can open, open a wallet. He couldn't help himself. I'm looking at him and seeing how smart he is, Kraft remembers, how passionate, how full of life. And I'm thinking of so many of my other friends who, uh, who are just kind of like, woe is me. I haven't been moved like this by someone in a long, long time. I know what he means. I spoke to Sam for half an hour and felt as if I was talking to a U.S. senator. Oh, wait a second. I felt as if I were talking to somebody with much more sense, charm, and polish than a U.S. senator. I was so inspired by Mr. Kraft, Sam says, maybe because we're alike in so many aspects, I'm extremely inspired by how he approaches things and who he is as a person. I'm so grateful that he's given the initial push, the initial mobilization to finding a cure and helping so many. Do you know many 16-year-olds who talk like that? At one point in the terrific HBO film, Sam says, I don't put myself in front of you to make you feel bad. You don't need to feel bad for me. I want you to get to know me. This is my life. Where does he get the courage to not feel sorry for himself or beg for it in others? Sometimes I do feel badly, he says. When this happened, the first thing I do is accept the fact that I feel bad about it. The second thing I do is remember that most of the time I feel pretty happy. And that's how I negotiate through that feeling and, and get past it. See what I mean? At one point, Kraft showed Sam a Patriots fan since birth, the Patriots' three Super Bowl trophies. It filled Sam with awe and hope. Hopefully this run isn't quite over, Sam told me. We're going to try to keep going and getting better and going forward. Do so, Sam. Please do. The postscript. Thanks in part to readers. We easily topped Kraft's 500,000 matching grant. 
Then Sam celebrated his 17th birthday by going to Game 1 of the World Series at Fenway Park, where he got a standing ovation. The next month, he dropped the puck at a Boston Bruins game. The Patriots were about to honor him at their, 2000, at their January 12, 2014 playoff game when they got the news that Sam had suddenly died the night before. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Let's never lack zeal, but keep our spiritual fervor and serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for being with us this day. We thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for the fact that you have saved us through the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you choose to use us in your service. And Father, we're so grateful to do so, using whatever it is you've given to us to make a difference in this world. And as we read the story of Sam Byrne, we're challenged by someone who was so much older in age, whose body was outwardly wasting away, and yet had this tremendous heart and passion for people and make a difference in this world. Father, we just pray for uh, the needs that are represented here in this room, for Craig as he has surgery tomorrow, for Lou as he travels, for Tammy as she gears up for uh, VBS, and for all that's going on in this place. Father, we just ask a special blessing that each one will uh, be prayerful and careful to do and act upon what you've given us to do. Help us to be zealous in your service, Lord. And we just ask for your help and your blessing being careful to give you all the praise and the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.